Hi, welcome to Teshuva, Return and Reboot. Today is our 10th installment of our daily podcast in Chodesh Elul, where we reflect on evidence-based strategies inspired by our tradition to return to our best selves and to renew our capacity to grow and change. I'm Michelle Sarna. It is truly my privilege to join you on this journey. I'm a licensed psychologist who works in school, camp, and community settings, and it is my honor to share these ideas with you. And if you have any feedback, comments, insights, uh, suggestions, please email me at sarna.michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E at gmail.com. Today, I wanted to talk about uh, one of the tefillot that we have formerly mentioned as being one of the cornerstones of the tefillot on the Yamim Noraim, which is the Al-Khait. Um, aside from the Yud Gimel Midot HaRachamim, the Al-Khait is a tefillah that we repeat many times and is perhaps one of the two pillars of the Rosh Hashanah tefillah. And there's an interesting, it's an acrostic, and there's an interesting first Chait that we ask for forgiveness, and that is the chait shechatanu lefanacha ba'ones uveratzon, the sin that we have committed against our will and also willingly. And the question that we might ask is, why would we be um, asking for forgiveness for a sin that we did ba'ones, that we were forced to do, that we had were compelled to do, that we did not do willingly or knowingly. Furthermore, is Ba'ones Uveratzon representing two different types of sins? One that is done against our will, compulsively, without a choice, and one that is done knowingly, willingly, intentionally? Or is it describing the same group of sins that are both done through compulsion and also done with intention? Let's look at the research on personalities to shed light on this very dichotomy between be'ones, compulsively, and biratzon, willingly. So I'd like to posit that according to the research in personality, there's been a tradition of trying to form typologies about personality. One of the most famous examples is a personality test that's widely used called the Myers-Briggs personality test. And this personality test was inspired by the research of Carl Jung, who published a book on psychological types in 1921. The Myers-Briggs type indicator is probably one of the most famous or popular personality test in the world. About 2 million people take it annually, and the company that makes it um, earns about $20 million from it each year. So it's very widely used by many big corporations. Recently, it's been under controversy because it seems that there's very little evidence, if any, that it actually indicates anything. It is not helpful in predicting outcomes in behavior at work, personal life, family life, and yet people continue to take it and they continue to be curious about what which one of the 16 types of personalities or frameworks they will fall into. And they will, people will call themselves by these acronyms and refer to themselves in that way, even though the very framework and the test seems to be not research-based and not statistically valid and not helpful in actually predicting anything. Similarly, there's another character type of 
organization into different personality traits called the Enneagram. And this is also widely popular, especially in religious or spiritual circles where people like to explore what type of Enneagram they are and and they are curious about what are their what's their main personality component and the wings or the supportive personality components and people will analyze and talk about it and share about it when actually there's little to no evidence that these personality templates or frameworks are evidence-based, are valid, or are reliable and are useful in predicting any other outcomes in life. So why are we so interested in sticking to these personality typologies and investing a lot of time, resources, and energy in taking these tests, discussing them, exploring them, when actually they don't really predict so much. Perhaps it's because of the psychological effect called the Barnum effect or the Forer effect or the Barnum-Forer effect, in which it's a common phenomenon in which individuals give a lot of accuracy to descriptions of personality or predictions of the future that are apparently specific to them as individually, but really could be very general and not specific and usually positive. And that effect is used to explain why so many people are into astrology or fortune telling, and it can also be ascribed to personality tests. The other possible reason is because we like to make sense of ourselves and of how we navigate the world. And when we think back to Al-Chitachatanu, perhaps... We try to, we want to understand why we continue to make certain mistakes or errors over and over again and why we, we also want to see some of our signature strengths as being ones that are enduring and not particular to a certain situation or host of variables. So giving ourselves a personality and helping and understanding others as having a static or stable personality helps us make sense of our own behavior and our own actions and those around us. In fact, though, what extensive research in the area of personality has demonstrated is that personality is both dynamic and static. It both changes, sometimes in unpredictable ways and sometimes in predictable ways, based on one's environment, on the situation, on one's life experiences, on the certain conditions that one finds oneself in, and also there are certain temperaments or characteristics that are durable, that are static, that become part of the person. But it's very hard to tease apart which parts of personality individuals and collectively are dynamic and which are static. And in fact, perhaps that's what the first Al-Khid is referring to, that we are both be'ones and be'ratzon, that they are parts of our character that might feel like they are stable, that despite our best efforts, we feel compelled to continue certain patterns and certain ways of, of behaving. And some feel like biratzon, that we're actually willingly making certain choices or um, we're affected by the situation that's around us. 
Let's please dedicate today's reflection to the um, Aliyah Neshama of Rabbi David Beitler, Allah HaShalom, whose Levaya was today, who to me really reflected the power of perceiving people's uh, boundless potential, whether or not they um, could be easily apparently categorized according to a certain personality or limited by a certain trait of characteristics or behaviors. But Rabbi Beitler really was able to connect with so many people despite their appearances and to really think of them as a whole person and to connect to their potential that was either actualized or not. So I had the privilege of working with Rabbi Beitler when he was the um, student activities coordinator in Hafter many years ago and at the same time was working at Congregation Beth Shalom in Lawrence, New York. I had returned from Jolt. It was, I think, the third summer that Jolt ran visiting the Ukraine um, and building a summer camp for young Jews there who many of them had never been exposed to having a Jewish education. Many of them were very poor. And it was a really inspiring experience. And I returned to Hafter in the fall as a junior. And I, me and my close friends that had been on the program were considering how can we leverage or channel all of our passion and enthusiasm about um, working with these Ukrainian Jews into our lives in New York. And I, at that point, didn't see myself as having much agency. I didn't necessarily see myself as having the capacity to make a difference or take on an initiative. And I remember speaking to Rabbi Beitler in his little alcove office in the cafeteria and just speaking with my friends about how passionate we were about visiting these Jews in the Ukraine that had no access to Jewish education. And many of them lived really poor and thinking about what we could do. And Rabbi Beitler um, helped us and inspired us to do a big clothing drive in the school and raised tzedakah. And we raised, we um, gathered a lot of clothing to be brought back to the the Jews in the Ukraine. And then he also helped us pull off the Shabbaton in his shul, where he helped us bus in Jews who were Russian um, in order to experience a Shabbat in the five towns and to be able to learn Torah with us and to interact with um, Jews from Hafter, my alma mater. And it was so powerful. And I remember feeling, wow, like I, he helped me and my close friends see ourselves in a whole new way as not only being able to be participants in the summer program, but being able to kind of bring change to other people. And he did it in such a natural way because he really saw the whole person and was really able to bring out the best in every and every person and to me that is such an inspiration for educators and for parents and just for people just not to be limited in um, typologies in characteristics that we think or ascribe to ourselves or to other people but to see every person as being unlimited in their ability and not to be the onus to be compelled um, to behave or act in a certain way according to a certain trajectory. Um, so I wish all of us a very inspired day. And I'm thinking of Rav David Beitler, Allah shalom, and praying for an aliyah for his neshama. Have an amazing day.